Good morning. We have uh, been walking through the book of Acts together, and uh, this morning we're going to continue to walk through the book of Acts. Last week we looked at the conversion of Paul, and he went from Saul to Paul, of course. He went from an enemy of the cross to a friend of the cross. We uh, know that conversion story maybe more than any other conversion experience in all of Scripture. And today we're going to continue to follow Paul. We're going to look at Paul's journey of what, what I've called a disciple's journey in these next few sections of Acts chapter 9. If you look at Acts chapter 9, following the conversion experience of Paul, you will see there are three instances recorded there that I think paint a perfect picture for us of, of what the disciple's life looks like. We, we see Paul immediately being obedient to the things that God had called him to. We see him experiencing a struggle like all of us believers do. But we see Paul also persevering and as a result seeing fruit in his life. You know, a lot of times as we think about the Christian life, we say things like becoming a Christian is easy while being a Christian can be difficult. And if you think about that, there's even some scripture, some words from Jesus that help us to understand that. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 3, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, unless we have the faith like a child or unless we have the humility like a child, we can never be a believer. And so it only takes that, that little childlike faith in order to enter into our salvation experience to become a disciple. But being a disciple, we find, can be more difficult than that initial conversion experience. So Jesus says things like this in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. He says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It can be for us that our salvation experience is easier than living the life of a disciple. And as a result of that truth, we're, it's important for us to look at this example that we're given by Paul and to understand the disciples' journey that he walked. And I think it'll be an encouragement for our journey as well. Let's look together in, in Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 19, the latter part of verse 19, and I'm going to read through verse 31 this morning. Acts chapter 9, verses 19 through 31. The latter part of 19 says, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. 
And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who had spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus, so that the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Let's pray together. God, we ask, Lord, that... God, wherever we may be, and God, at whatever moment we may, we may hear these words being proclaimed today, God, that we would be challenged in our disciples, our discipleship journey. That we would look at Paul, Lord, being an obedient follower of Christ, experiencing a, a struggle and a difficulty, but persevering and, and therefore seeing fruit. I pray that that would be the testimony of all of us who claim to be a disciple of Christ, that that we would be obedient to you, God, that in the midst of those struggles we would continue to persevere so that we would see fruit produced from our life. God, speak to us through this passage this morning. We, we ask all of these things in the name and the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Three elements of this disciple's journey that, that I think and that I've seen as an example from Paul in this passage of Scripture. First of all, I want you to see that we see immediate obedience from Paul. Immediate obedience. Look at what it says in verse 20. It says, Immediately he, talking about Paul, proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, teaching he is the Son of God. Of God. We've seen not only in Paul's conversion experience this immediate obedience, but also in the conversion experience of the Ethiopian eunuch. We saw the very same thing. This eunuch who was reading the scroll and who Philip came and shared the gospel with comes across some water while Philip is with him. And what does he say? He says, Here is some water. What prevents me from being baptized? Immediately we see obedience from the eunuch and the same is true in Paul's discipleship journey. Immediately we see him preaching the gospel in the synagogues. This, this immediate obedience to the commands of the Lord, it seems to be an expected reaction from those who surrender their lives to Christ. We see this not only in the eunuch and not only in, in Paul's life, but we see this in the life of the disciples as well. You think about Jesus approaching those disciples, no matter if they were fishermen or if they were a tax collector. When Jesus comes to those men and he tells them that they're to follow him, Scripture tells us that, that they stop their tax collecting, they drop their fishing nets, and they immediately began to follow him. It's because this initial obedience, it is an expected response for those who have had an experience with Jesus. And I include this as a part of the disciples' journey because we see it modeled here for Paul, by Paul, but also because 
many of us probably remember when we were first saved. We probably remember when we were initially converted. We remember how in those initial moments and in those initial few days, in those initial weeks and months after we had come to know Christ, it was our deep desire to follow Him and to do all that we could to please Him. We use some phrases to talk about this time period in our life. After we're immediately saved and when we're, we're trying our best to, to please Jesus, we use phrases like we're, we're on fire for Christ maybe. Or we might say that those were mountaintop experiences that we have had. But, but regardless of what you call them, we recognize there are moments in our life as disciples when our obedience to Him was of significance in our own lives. And we find this modeled for us by Paul, who immediately proclaimed Jesus, saying that if we are a disciple of Christ, if we have encountered Jesus at some point in our lives, that obedience should be a marker upon which we are known. I want you to consider this in, in your own life as I've considered it in my own life. And as you consider your disciple journey, do you remember those days when you were initially saved and that desire that you had to, to strictly obey the commands of Jesus? Have you, have you wandered from that striving to be obedient with the Lord? You know, we need to be reminded, I think, that, that the salvation experience that we have it is not the end of our journey. It is instead the beginning of an obedient life that is to be lived from that moment on. Sometimes inside the church, we can see salvation as the, the end of the journey. We can see salvation as the stopping point, as the we've made it, we've reached the goal. But that's never the case inside of Scripture our conversion, our baptism, it is actually the beginning point of our life that is to be lived in strict obedience to the things the Lord has commanded of us. I love what Southern Baptist Convention President J.D. Greer says about this. He says, The gospel is not just the diving board. It is the pool. And, and what he means is that the gospel is not the end to the journey. It is the starting point that gets us into the pool of living out the gospel for the sake of the gospel. We need to have this mindset that our conversion experience, whenever it may have been, our salvation, whenever it may have been, that is the beginning point of a life lived in obedience to the Lord. This is the beginning of the disciples' journey that Paul teaches us about and by example in these first few verses. But we notice something. We notice that, that life, doesn't, life doesn't stay easy for Paul. Life doesn't stay easy for him. He's going to immediately encounter a difficulty, which leads to the next part of the disciples' journey that I think is given to us by the example of Paul. Next, we see that there is a coming struggle. Be reminded of what happens in verse 23. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and they let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. The struggle for Paul. 
It was a struggle that we have seen throughout the book of Acts. Paul, who was once the persecutor, is now being persecuted. The one who was once seeking to kill those that were belonged to the way was now a part of the way and being sought. We can imagine that this was a great test in the life of Paul. Early on in his disciple journey, he faces a struggle. He faces a difficulty. He faces something that none of us have ever experienced. It's hard for us, as a matter of fact, as modern American believers to put ourselves in Paul's shoes. We have not experienced the persecution that Paul enforced, nor that Paul is now facing in these verses of Scripture. No one is standing outside the city gates seeking to murder us because of our faith. And what a blessing this is and should be recognized. But there are times in our lives as believers, as disciples, that we do experience common struggles. And these common struggles that we experience, we may misunderstand them. And we, we may, it may cause us to ask questions about God's faithfulness to us, and it may even ask us to cause questions about our own salvation experience, but it shouldn't. Because we need to recognize that, that, that the moment that we are converted, that the moment that Paul was converted, the moment that we place our faith in Jesus, when our journey begins as a disciple, it does not end the struggles of the world or that the world will bring to us. There is, a, there is a unique balance that we hold as a follower of Jesus. You know what that unique balance is. It is that we, we are living in the world, as Scripture tells us, but we are certainly not part of the world. We're not of the world. We're not of the world in the sense that we belong to the kingdom of God. We belong to a, a kingdom established by Jesus himself. But yet we are in the world in the sense that we see all of the sin that exists around us. And that sin exists around us in every turn, it seems. We're surrounded by the effects of the fall. And even ourselves, we've, we've not perfected our own wills. We've not perfected our own wills to, to stray away from that sin that comes as a result of the fall. Which simply means for us that we still face struggles. I still face struggles. I have not been perfected yet, and nor have you. There are struggles in our lives, some of them... Some of those struggles that we have, they're a result of our own situations and our own decisions. And some of those struggles that we have, they're, they're brought about because of the circumstances that others have created in our lives. But regardless, we need to recognize that these struggles, they're not a measure of your faith. They're a result of us living inside of a fallen world. You see, there are some people... There are even preachers that want you to believe that, that your struggles that you have in life is a measure of your faith. Or maybe that it's even evidence of your faith, of whether or not you are or not a disciple of Christ. And I would say, tell that to Paul. 
the greatest missionary of all times, immediately on his disciple journey, he experiences a struggle. And the struggles that we experience in this life, they are in no way a reflection of the reality of your salvation. And neither were they a reflection of a lack of salvation for Paul in this account. Because of our salvation, we see these struggles differently than the world. Because of our salvation, we see our struggles not as an end in themselves, but instead as a means by which God does something even greater in our lives. You see, God uses the struggles of our life to teach us to have a deeper faith, to teach us to walk with Him more intimately than we have before. And so if we have a struggle like Paul does in, our, in his life, if we have that type of a struggle, we need to take advantage of every struggle that the Lord gives us, that there is no doubt He is bringing you to a deeper faith. But in order to experience this deepened faith, we have to persevere in the midst of difficulties. We have to persevere in the midst of trials. This is what we see from Paul's example. He did not allow the plot to kill him to stop him. He did not allow the difficulty to stop his work for the sake of the gospel. He persevered, and as a result, he saw fruit from it. Verses 26 through 31. They not only tell us in the end, verses 30 and 31, and, they, and when the brothers learned this, they, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus so that the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. It not only helps us to see the results of his perseverance, but it reminds us that that one experience in verses 23 through 25 was not the only difficulty that Paul had. When Paul began to preach the gospel, there was those people who said, well, this can't be Paul. This can't be the guy who is persecuting Christians. And if it is the guy that's persecuting Christians, he can't be trusted, so don't let him in here. Don't allow him to speak the gospel. But even in the midst of that difficulty, he continued to persevere. What if? What if the struggle had been too difficult for Paul? What if after the threat of his life, in verses 23 through 25... Paul would have said, I'm done. What if in the midst of this difficulty, Paul had thrown up his hands and said, I'm done trying to share the gospel. I wonder, would the gospel have spread so quickly in Jerusalem, Caesarea, and Tarsus? Would the church in all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, would they have had the peace and the success they had experienced if Paul had simply given up and not persevered? Well, the answer is, we'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know, though, because Paul models for us that in the disciples' journey, when we face struggles, when we face difficulties, we must persevere. And therefore, he sees this fruit of his salvation being carried forward and seen in the latter part of chapter 9. This is exactly the way that our lives are as followers of Christ. We have to persevere in the midst of struggle. 
We have to persevere in the midst of difficulty. If we want to see the fruit produced, we must hang on. We must press on. We must keep going just as Paul did. Paul obviously understood this. And later when he would write a letter to the church of Philippians, he says this, Philippians chapter 3, he says, Not that I have already obtained this or that I'm already perfect, but I press on. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything If anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Paul models for us, I think, a disciple's journey. He is obedient even in the midst of earthly struggles because he knows that perseverance bears fruit. As you think about this message... I think there are a few ways, regardless of where you are on your disciples' journey, that you can respond to this example that's been given to us by Paul this morning. Maybe you are a new disciple, and maybe you're a seasoned disciple, and the journey is the same. You need to be obedient, and the struggle is the same. They're here, right? They're they're in our lives. Maybe we need to persevere so that eventually we will see that fruit in our own life. You may need to trust Jesus for the first time and become that obedient disciple. You may need to follow Jesus in obedience, maybe through baptism. Maybe you need to follow Jesus through obedience and changing something about your life, remodeling your life, reassessing your loves and your focus. You may need to commit to persevere. You see, in the midst of this difficulty that we've been in as a nation and as a community and as a church, we've persevered. We've pressed on. And I believe with all of my heart, in the midst of the struggle, and don't do it, press on, persevere. The fruit is only one step away. Whatever decision that you need to make this morning, you can make that decision as we've been doing each and every week by following that link that's put in the Facebook uh, chat right there. And as you click on that, it's going to send you to our website, and there you can respond. Whatever decision you need to make this morning, I pray that you will make it. God, be with us, Lord. Help us, God. Lord, if we're not on the disciples' journey, Lord, would you encourage us to join this journey today. God, if there are things that we need to do in strict obedience to you, I pray your Holy Spirit would convict people of that. God, I pray that if they need to be baptized, your Spirit will convict them of that. If they need to to change something in their life, your Holy Spirit would convict them of that. God, and they would be willing to respond as a result. And God, if anybody, if anybody is wanting to stop, to slow down, to take a step back, God, I pray that they'll persevere, that they'll press on. And God, even for us as a church, Help us to press on. Help us to persevere, anticipating that fruit that's before us. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much for loving us. We pray and ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.